you know, uh, a lot of the times we, uh, we go through our day and we don't, we don't know what the, the outcome's going to be. But the good thing is that if we put God first, God is always going to lead us in the direction that he wants us to go. He's always going to bring us to that place of peace. And, if, and, and he says that if, if you walk in my ways, I will always be with you. He is going to be with us. If we have the spirit of God in us, then we're going to be at peace with the name of the Lord Jesus Christ embedded into our souls in the spirit world. I say it like that because I believe it like that. Praise God. Uh, what can I say again? And I said, there's work to be done in the kingdom of God. Amen? The harvest is ready. And if we, we, we understand that and we see it that way, that means that we can continue to prepare for the things of the Lord. If you would open up the, your Bibles to Mark chapter 10, verse 13 through 16. I'm going to go ahead and get right into the lesson. It is a lengthy one. <laughs> Hope you brought your ears ready to listen. <laughs> it's a good word. God's word is good. How many of us know that God, God, God's word is good? Amen? Amen. So here we go. In Mark chapter 10, verse 13 through 16. And they brought young children to him, and he should that, that he should touch them. And his disciples rebuked those that brought them. But when Jesus saw it, he was much displeased and said unto them, Suffer the little children to come unto me, and forbid them not, for of such is the kingdom of God. Verily I say unto you, Whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, he shall not enter therein. And he took them up in his arms, put his hands upon them, and blessed them. Praise the Lord. How many of us wish that we that if Jesus was here this moment? Well, he, actually, he is. He is. We discussed this. God is already here. We just have to call upon his name. And when we place our hands on our children, God is also going to respond to that. If you would pray with me today for the word. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your truth. Lord, we want to instill, Lord God, your, your instruction in your ways, oh God, and how you want us to live, Lord. Lord, we want to see, Lord, through your eyes, Lord Jesus, not my fleshly eyes, but through your eyes, those who belong and those who you are called, you continue to draw in, Lord. We know the word says that, that, that you call those that draw, they draw not, nigh to you because you have called them, Lord Jesus. And we pray, Lord God, let us speak to them carefully, lovingly, so that they may rejoice, Lord, as we rejoice, mighty God. When we come into your presence, in Jesus' name we, we pray, amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. God is good. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. God is so good. Amen. There was a man by the name who went by William Booth. Some of us might know him. And uh, he was the founder of the Salvation Army. He was known for his passionate commitment for loving and serving people, particularly the poorest residents of the poorest sections of London. And it says many inspiring quotes uh, actually came about because of his evangelism and his Christian service to them. Uh, and it also came, again, because uh, the, it, nobody was ever quiet about what he did. Uh, but one of the most insightful quotes attributed uh, to him was the shortest as well. In 1910, Booth uh, was asked to join them and to bring words of encouragement to the leaders of the Salvation Army. Booth was to attend their annual convention, which would take place during the Christmas season. Sadly, he would not be able to attend due to his poor health condition and would later die in less than two years. But before that took place, uh, he uh, had the opportunity to write this letter. 
it says, however, the words obviously carried, that Booth carried, carried much weight, so much weight that if he had not said anything, it might have brought people down. He was going to, uh, he was not able to attend, and because of that, uh, they asked him if he would write something. The organizer of the meeting who has set this up, and he said, send us a telegram so that we can read to the attendants, to the people that are going to be there. It was something that should have been of inspiration. Just like any new thing that comes out of, you know, the latest technology, telegrams uh, was it at that time. Telegrams were not cheap. They cost money. And because of their uh, limited, uh, I should say, uh, funds, they were not able, uh, he could not send something of a long message versus that I, I've got here right in front of me. But in order to, to do what he did, he had to think, what can I send, what can I say to this group, this crowd that's going to keep them going. He wanted to make sure that what he would send would be worth the electronic text, and I say text, and inspiring to all those who had been and will continue to walk in those shoes that he would one day leave behind. I mentioned earlier he would die two years later, or less than two years later. It would have been the shortest and most powerful in meaning to cause a change within that group. Such such a group that you would think that it would not have uh, caused uh, an abrupt one. According to the story, Booth pondered what he would say, that what he would communicate, and the feelings that he had inspired in him to, you know, to devote his to devote his life in ministering to those in need. He wanted to say something to motivate the Salvation Army personnel who had been selflessly giving their time and energy during the coldest and darkest months of the year to serve their poorest and most vulnerable neighbors. When the days of the convention arrived, the meeting half uh, hall was filled with delegates eager to hear what this founder was going to say. When the announcement was made that he was not going to show up, there was a great disappointment that came over the crowd. But spirits did lift when someone brought forth, we have a telegram. And as he opened the telegram, he, everybody is waiting to hear a, a you know, a great, great, uh, you know, motivational speech of some sort. But on that telegram, Booth shared a single word, the word that succulently summarized his life's work and the vision he had for the organization he founded. The message simply read, others, others. It wasn't bringing attention to himself at all. Something that, you know, that most people would say, you know, I, I, they want the highlights because of th- something that they had done. And he wasn't seeking that out. It did, the message didn't say, hey, look at me. He, uh, he could have said, hey, I'm sick or I'm ill. Again, short words. Just to make, the, the, make it clear, others was only five letters. Ill was three. Sick was four. And I would have said, you know, that would have been well enough, but he wasn't searching for that. It would have been something that he, it was not about him. He was not someone who wanted to bring attention about himself. Instead, he pointed out from within himself with his word of thoughts or thought others. It was to bring everyone else in, not himself to others. He wanted to say, you are invited. You count. You make a difference. So with that being said, you probably see that the title of the message here. Uh, it says, who belongs? Who belongs in the kingdom is the question. I know the Bible teaches us what we must do to get into the kingdom, but there's also at times when we sit in our places and positions 
and we wonder, are we doing what we're supposed to be doing? I happily happened to share with several people of at times when I felt like I wasn't being used of God and as if I was useless, and God quickly turns that around, and he brings to our attention that I'm using you. I want to use you because you're asking of it. It is important to ask God to be used if we want to be used. The Bible tells us Jesus died for the whole world. The Lord Jesus would be overjoyed if everyone did come to believe, but the fact of the matter is that that's not true. We know that, and we know this because Scripture tells us it says that it knows that the heart of man is, is deceitful above all things, and has, but also because he has given us free will. That will, uh, that will not to be the case because we have Scripture to tell us so. In other words, the, our will is what's going to determine our next action. But Scripture also tells us how to gain access to the kingdom. Not only what's going to happen if we don't obey, but what happens to us if we do obey. The key verses I wanted to kind of shine the light on is uh, Mark chapter 10, uh, verse 15. Verily I say unto you, whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, he shall not enter therein. Amen. In our beginning text in Mark chapter 10, verse 13 through 16, Jesus was uh, displeased by what the disciples had did had done. And therefore, he addressed the matter as it unfolded. He didn't let it uh, just kind of uh, linger and say, I'll just handle this later on. He went in there. The Bible says that when the children were being brought to him by whoever that was, whether it was parents, whether it was friends, uh, the disciples rebuked those who were bringing the children in. And it says there that Jesus was, again, displeased, who were displeased because of what he saw. In many cultures, I would agree, children are not considered important and with little concern, nor were the children considered of great importance here. In this time and era during this biblical event where Jesus and the apostles were actually, and I'm going to say disciples in this case, even so, the Lord has uh, had other plans. In verse 14, it tells uh, them to suffer the children to come to him. The word suffer in the scripture has a specific meaning. Strong's definition from uh, the Greek word, transliterated, it says it's called and it means this, to send, to intensive form to go, inform them to go, to send forth. Uh, and it, it, doesn't, it doesn't mean to get out of the way of that way and let them through. Jesus was not saying get out of the way and let them. He was saying when you see them come, encourage them to come to me. Encourage them to come to me. So there's never a blocking. God says, no, don't, don't, just, don't just stand there. He says, make them move in my direction. Jesus' words were more de declarative as to saying, when you see them coming to me, encourage them. Forbid them not to come. I'm sorry, forbid them that they, sh for don't forbid them not to come. Let them come. Let them come, especially when they come through their own free will. Jesus finalizes this declaration with a verse 15. And I mentioned that before. Jesus was saying, we have to have this one thing in order to enter the kingdom. It was humility. A form of, uh, of the heart is an, an attribute of God. And we know that because Jesus himself uh, went to the cross. And we know he was humiliated. And he didn't have to do that, but he did it anyway for us. And if he is willing to do something that is of great, uh, I'm going to say disfiguration in a sense, in that time, then I think in this time of today, I think it's easy for, it could, it's easy for us for us to say that 
it's okay for us to find humiliation in our lives and say, you know what, Lord, even though I've done something wrong, I find shame in my wrong, and I'm going to go ahead and make it right. Praise God. So again, Jesus is referring to this child. Uh, this, uh, of, it's, it's referring to the innocence of a child, the way uh, they are so, for, you know, the way they're so forgiving, and e- ch- children easily get hurt. Uh, but not only children, adults do as well. It's important to know that. A child will let you know, however, when he's hurt. And if he doesn't let you know that he's hurt, he's going to react a certain way. Don't touch me. I've been there. My kids don't do that to me, of course, but I have had other kids, my nephews and so forth, when I, I used and this is back in the day, I'm no longer doing that. <laughs> Praise the Lord, deliverance came to me. I would grab them and I'd pull them a little bit ag- aggressively, and they didn't like it, so there was always that little, um, how should I say, there was, I don't want to say anger, but there was, that trust wasn't there anymore. So then they will, and of course, people, anybody who's hurt, we know that they require nurturing, just as any child of God does. Amen. So, Sister Frances, I, I told her I was going to talk a little bit about this. Uh, she brings her grandson, Michael, uh, to service. Uh, and the first time I met him, he was very uh, shy. And uh, so I remember uh, going over to him, and, and she's like, say hello. And he wouldn't, he, you know, he's shy. It's, and I said, hey, you know what, it's okay. So I ended up doing something that uh, I usually do with every child. If they feel intimidated, I say, hey, guys, how you, how you doing, buddy? You know, I'll, I'll lower my voice so that they feel welcome to hear, oh, he's not, he's not uh, threatening me. He's not a threat to me. He wants to be my friend. But now look at him. Someone has given him some love in this place because now he's really let loose. Praise God. Amen. And that tells you, that shows that there were, there's a progress there. Amen. Praise God. Praise the Lord. So, so and I'm, that went in the right direction. Praise the Lord. <laughs> and I just, I just read earlier that Jesus was displeased um, by what the disciples did. Uh, and again, he did intervene. He did intervene with that situation. And I believe, as I said earlier, that he did that to teach the lesson on how to react in that particular situation. We have examples in the Bible about how we should react according to certain situations. And Jesus was the, he was the master at work at that point in time. How many of us believe that? Praise the Lord. So if the master is doing it, I think that we should as well. Praise God. Amen. The, child, uh, the children were not of a threat to Jesus when he went, when the kids were brought to him. Jesus thought it was okay. Let them come to me. And in doing so, uh, we, we, we see some, some we, we, do the, we address certain situations when we see something uh, bad happen. In this case, there didn't need to be an addressing of situation, but there are cases. I'm not telling nobody to not address certain situations that are taking place that need to be addressed because we don't want our, ki- our kids to, to be held, uh, hurt either. And I believe we can do that with a kindred spirit. We can be kind. We can be loving. And we can show forth that love. And again, that's through the Holy Ghost. That's the Spirit of God. It's not in anger. It's not in strife. It's, it, we, we look at it. We analyze it. Hey, how, how can I? Hey, little guy, you know, just lower your voice just a tad. And if that doesn't happen, call mom and dad. They'll handle the business. That's the best way. That's how I handle my children. Someone comes to me, I'm, I'm going to handle it. And they know that. My, ch- my children are very good when it comes to listening. Uh, I talk to them a lot at home. They know. I don't mean to put them in the spot. But they, they, I am proud of them. They do a great job. Um, Delilah plays the piano. Our mom plays the drums. And I'm, I am blown away by what God has done with them. And I know God is going to continue to do things with them as he does with anybody that in, inserts themselves into the kingdom of God. Amen? 
Praise the Lord. Nobody's going to be left out here today. Everybody's being brought in. I'm going to point to others, not myself, others. So I'm bringing you in. Now, here's another scripture in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4. And I don't know if I gave you guys that one. It says, um, and ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. So I'm not going to, and again, I have to admit, I've done it a few times, but I've learned. And because the scripture tells me not to, and I back away with it really quick. And at times, I do most of the time ask them to forgive me. It's important to, t- to show children that we must say I'm sorry and, f- and, and we want forgiveness. If we teach them that, then they're going to do that, that exact same thing. Amen. Let's be kind. Let's lead them in the way that we want them, uh, that w- the way we would want to be led. I want to be led. So if I'm led in the ways of God, then the kingdom is going to grow. There's no doubt in that. Otherwise, I fear that when... Uh, they become of age, and this is, this is a thought that kind of that just came to me, that, that they might leave, uh, leave the church. Matthew chapter 8, 18, 7, the Bible says, uh, Woe unto the man whom the offense cometh. Now, he's talking about the, the offender in this case, but I'm thinking about the person who might leave and not come back. And uh, so if we see our, our fault and admit to it, I, and I, this is the note that I put, either, uh, you know, whatever it may be, as long as we, we notice it and we, uh, we face it, uh, God is good to forgive us. Faults can be forgiven. And more importantly, I, I know that there's times when we feel that we can't be forgiven, but God wants to forgive us. He wants to give us that release, that peace. And it only comes through the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And here's, a, here's one of my, uh, <laughs> I did such a thing, and I'm going to share that. I did just a thing where I said something to someone in the church. I'm sorry. Well, I don't know if it was in the church. It might have been outside. Either way, the point of it was they used to come to this church, but they didn't stop coming because of that. They had other plans and other ideas. And, um, and this, is, this is almost three, four years ago. But I felt the guilt in me because I had said something to that individual, and I know I had to make it right because the Bible talks about it. The Bible says to make peace with that one before you go to the judge. Our judge is God. But so is the word. So we're trying to make peace because we have the word declaring to us that we should make peace with that individual. And if we do it, hopefully we do it before we pass. Um, I'm not saying the guy won't forgive us for it, but I think it's better and it's much easier, uh, you know, to, to do it right now. So Jesus addressed it. I think we should, too, at times. Again, uh, I didn't mention this, but <clears throat> I'm looking for him and I can't seem to find him. And all of a sudden he shows up at the bank and I'm there. But I'm no longer looking for him. He's following me, and he's wanting to talk to me. And I felt so blessed because I know that God has sent him my way because God knew that I wanted to make peace with this individual. And as I made peace, I said to him, you don't remember? He says, I don't remember. I said, he said, it doesn't matter. We're still friends. We still talk. I still communicate with him. We share the gospel, and we go back and forth. And I'm hoping that one day he'll, you know, he'll come back and join us one day. Jesus mentions the offender, uh, and, I, and I believe that, the, that they must repent, and one that, uh, and the other side, they must forgive the offender. So the offender causes, but the, uh, but the one that gets offended also must forgive. And in that saying, uh, how, how, do we, how do we do that? We go to God. We pray. We ask the Lord, what, is, what, is, what do we need to do uh, to be right? And the, the Word tells us. So coming back to, in this biblical uh, event, Jesus wanted the children to come to him 
and he made sure of it. He confronted the disciples through this action, and he made a point of the example to be followed. Children are not excluded from the kingdom of God. Praise the Lord. Mark and in Mark chapter 10, verse 17 to 22, we have the wealthy man who had great possessions, who was not stopped when approaching Jesus. And this made me wonder a little bit because here we have children that are being stopped. And, of course, not the children, but the individuals are being rebuked. We bring the children. But this individual, oh, excuse me, it says you might, you might sell. Uh, he wasn't stopped when he was approaching Jesus. You might say, well, he came running to, and perhaps that would be a good reason. But Jesus had 12 apostles or the 12 disciples around him. I would think it would have been enough if I'm surrounded by 12 men that one of them is going to stop them or stop him. But they didn't. And so my, my analysis was this, that he might have been dressed a little bit differently. He might have looked a little bit differently. He might have smelled a little bit better. I don't know. And perhaps he was wearing some nice clothing and, and he was you know, well-groomed. He looked reasonable. And they probably just turned, hey, you know what, just let him through, let him go by. But those children were not allowed to go by. And so there's, there's a judgment call here. Do we actually? So if we start to look at the scripture, I think God is telling us, if you're looking at the rich man and you think that he's the one that I want, uh, you might be making a mistake. That's what he's saying. You might be making a mistake. Because he, we know that in scripture talks about it's harder for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God, enter to heaven. And so in other words, it's easier for the camel to enter into the eye of a needle. And that's the example that Jesus gives us. So if we understand that, then we're going to be, under, so we're, we, we should not uh, fan off anybody that we would say, well, that person, no, I don't think so. Not that person, I don't think so. I'm going to go to the person that I, I see over there. I like that person, that person. No, the person that you do not want to come is the one that you need to go to and say, you're the one. You're the one. If we discard people and we say that they're not, that we don't need them here or, or, that, or that we're not going to use them here, people will feel unneeded, unwanted, and unloved. And we want to love them, right? We want to use them. We want to bring them in. We should probably, as I mentioned earlier uh, at other times, let's go have a meal with them. Buy them a meal. I'm going broke, so I might not be able to do that. <laughs> but praise the Lord, if God provides it, I will take you out. I'm telling you. Amen. Amen. God is good. God is good. Amen. So maybe uh, I put it here, uh, maybe they thought uh, that he was, um, you know, he can provide a little bit for the ministry. And that's another thought I think that, that comes, uh, and, and I'm not talking about here. I'm just saying in general. We, we don't want to look, we don't want to look only to the wealthy. We want the poor. We want the, the rich. We want the ones. That, Jesus came for everybody. So we want everybody to go to heaven. Nobody should be left out. And if the rich man feels like he doesn't deserve it, I said, because you say that, I believe that you do. There's a way, and the Bible says that if he finds humility, someone who declares that I don't deserve to go to heaven because I have all this, and look at that poor man. God is speaking to that man. God is actually speaking to me. You need to talk to this man and tell him that he can enter the kingdom of God. He has found, his, he has found a, a spot in his heart that is, 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 is saying that you're not worthy. And, and the fact of the matter is that none of us are, but the blood of Jesus makes us worthy for the kingdom of God. It is the blood of Jesus. It is nothing that we have done. It is his glory. It is for his praise, and he deserves it all. Amen? Amen. Uh, so either way, uh, this man made it to Jesus without any rebuke, as I said earlier. Uh, and I thought maybe they had learned their lesson. That's what I thought. Maybe they learned their lesson, and they're not going to stop them anymore. But that wasn't the case. Because if we go further reading down to the further down scripture, 
uh, in Mark chapter 10, verse 41 through 52. It, here we have, and I'm going to go through some here. James and John, uh, if we've read this, uh, they wanted a position. They're telling Jesus, you know, can we one be in the right, one be in the left? The Bible says that they were, the other ten apostles were upset at what they did. Uh, verse 42, and when the ten heard it, they began to, to be much displeased with James and John. So everybody was there. The crowd is together. And it says, but Jesus called them to him, and he said unto them, You know that they which are accounted to rule over the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and their great one exercise authority upon them. And then he says in verse 43, Jesus says this, But so shall it not be among you. But whosoever will be great among you shall be your minister. Your minister. A minister is someone who serves. Jesus didn't come to be served. He came to serve. And the way he did that is he preached the gospel of salvation so that the entire world could be saved. And as, as a matter, I said earlier, not everybody is going to get there, but we want everybody to get there. Jesus wanted that, but he knew very well because of the free will he has given them, uh, they were not going to turn from their wicked ways. Verse 44, and whosoever of you will be the chiefest shall be servant of all. This is, again, Jesus speaking. And it says, for even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. And there I just said it. I just said it. And they came to Jericho, and as uh, he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great number of people, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the highway side begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and and say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. This is a blind man who doesn't see what's going on, and he is crying out, wherever you're at, have mercy on me. Verse 48, and many charged him that he should hold his peace, but he cried out the more uh, a great deal, thou son of David, have mercy on me. He made a decision. He was not going to be quiet. He wanted the attention of Jesus Christ because he knew there was something for him, and he didn't let nothing hold him back. Even though the resistance was there, he came against it. His voice was his power and authority so that Jesus would hear him. In that same way, we use our voices to call unto God, and God does hear our cries. How many of us have prayed to the Lord, and God has answered our prayer? I was just saying with Brother Richard how God will test you. He says, God, am I being used? Watch out. I'm going to run you through some trials and see how you hold up. God, praise God, if you hold up very well, guess what? He's going to send you to the next trial, and he's going to send you to the next one. He's going to prepare you for what needs to come. What needs to come? There's people that are going to come to our church. They're going to seek Jesus, and we need to be ready for that. And when that time comes, I hope that we're all saying, you know what? I see somebody walking in the door. Nobody's talked to them. I'm going to go talk to them right now. Hey, how are you doing? My name is Andy, or my name is so-and-so, and I want to share something with you. Man, there's, we're so glad to have you in the church of God. We're so glad that you're here. Would you like to sit with us? Would you like to sit with me and just invite them in and make it warm for them? Amen? Praise the Lord. So here we have this poor man who's blind, and he's calling out, and they say, keep it down. Man, don't make a fool out of yourself. It's, this, this is what we gather here. But in verse 49, and Jesus stood still. Praise God. I'm sorry, did I hear one of my own calling back over here? Did I hear someone say my name? And he commanded him to be called, and they, and they called the blind man, saying unto him, Be of good comfort, rise, he calleth thee. He calleth thee. He was pointing, they were pointing at him, he calleth thee. 
And we, in that same manner and, and thought, we should say, you know what, God, when I'm down in my life, I'm calling you. I'm calling you. Brother Shane, God is calling you. I don't know where he's at. God is calling. God is bringing out ministers. God is rising up men of God that they may step forward and preach the gospel of truth to a dying nation that doesn't know Jesus Christ. But we know Jesus Christ, and we know what he's about, and we know that he is our Savior. But salvation only begins at the time of baptism and the infilling of the Holy Ghost. We still have to carry on that walk. Amen? Amen. Jesus asked him in verse 50, what do you want me to help you with? That's really what he was saying. What do you want me to help you with? And then Jesus agreed, and he says, all right. He healed them, and he told them to go his way. Bartimaeus did exactly uh, what he had received. from. Je- Once he had received his sight, he did exactly what Jesus told him to. He said he told him to go his way. Well, if you remember, Bartimaeus was blind, which means that Bartimaeus didn't have a way. He needed a way, and Jesus was that way. He decided to follow Jesus. Jesus is the way. He is the truth, and he is the life. So that new, and I'm going to say that relationship, that God gave to him, gave him his, he was able to see. I think I shared some time ago where Paul, Paul had to be blinded in order to see. This man was blind, and then he saw, and then he followed. So some of us, I think at times we say, Lord, Lord, I can't see. It's okay, God's going to blind you sometimes. And when he blinds you, just close your eyes, start to worship, get down on your face if you want to, you know, um, drink a little water, get into your prayer closet, don't come out of it. Tears pouring down your face, it's all right. Don't come out of it. It's okay. You're with Jesus. You're seeking his presence, and we need that. We need that. Praise the Lord. All right, so here we go. He's, he's blind. Uh, those script, in Scripture, uh, we learn that God says we must do what we must do to enter the kingdom of heaven. We must become like little children. We must be willing to change, forgive, believe, and obey. All these things, all this happens through humility. Obedience comes through humility. Forgiveness comes through humility. Belief comes through humility. Change comes through me. I have to be willing to change and admit that I, I need to change. That comes through humility. Uh, most, and, and, I'm, and there's other things where people change. You know, uh, I'm not going to smoke any more cigarettes. That's a little bit different. I'm talking about something where you completely reject, and I'm going to say reject, deny yourself and follow Christ. We're not allowed to pick and choose anymore for those who, uh, and I've said this before, uh, because the Bible says that we have been purchased by a price, and that price was the blood of Jesus. We are, uh, we are a chosen people, and we can talk about that. We can relate to it because we understand that a chosen people means that set apart, consecrated. And so if we're consecrated to the Lord, uh, it's, it's a blessing. It's a blessing because now we have that communication and contact with him. But that's not the way of God as he, as he tells us um, to pick and choose our own way. God is telling us uh, what we should be. He tells us through his word. Uh, we want to pick, up, pick and choose, but God is the author and the finisher of everything. And if we put him first, it's going to be just like that. And, it, Lord, I, when, I joined, when, I jo- when I joined this, Lord Jesus, and it's, it's, not a, it's not a gang. It's not a clique. It's not like that. It is a kingdom. It is not a team. It's a kingdom. It is a heavenly spiritual kingdom and is of the Lord Jesus Christ. The rich man or a person who has a prob- usually has a problem because they can't let go. They can't go without. Their dependency is, about, is, is their bank account, their, uh, their real estate, or perhaps their business. These are things to be careful from because it can draw us away from the things of God. I'm not saying that any of this is bad to have, but what I'm saying is that when it overwhelms your life, 
be cautious, be aware. So, and, and again, I'm not saying that rich people can't be saved. I know that they can. Uh, but Jesus also did give us what happens, the burden that happens when there's large lumps of money or, yeah, amounts of money. I found it interesting that these three historical events, the two of them Jesus desires to help, were rejected by the people and the disciples. So those who belong and those don't belong. A lot of, and I said it earlier, at times we, we think that, no, those belong, that one does and that one doesn't. And we pick and choose. But for Jesus, there is no, we don't get to pick. Every single individual in this world that is walking not in the sight of God or in the light of God, they, we, we have to pick them. We have to pick them. We have to, we have to go to them and talk to them. Not by force, but it just happens to be that I'm in the grocery store. It happens to be that I'm walking through Walmart, and a man walks up, and he starts to ask me questions. and starts to add me, ask me advice. And I'm thinking, well, I don't know how to, I don't, I said, well, he has well, just a little testimony here. He says, uh, walks up to me, my wife, I don't want to be in the store, by the way, and uh, this is how God works. I don't want to be there. I told my wife, I don't want to be there, but fine, I'll get off and I'll walk around. And so here we are at Walmart, and I'm thinking, Lord, and this is before I get into Walmart. I've already said to him, Lord, are you using me? Are you going to use me? How are you going to use me, Lord? I'm really curious. And he used me, all right, and God will test you. And so I walk, we, we walk into the store, and she leads me to a place and back this way, and I'm, I'm getting tired. I'm getting frustrated. I don't want to be there no more. So she says, come over here to the clearance section. I go to the clearance section. I love, the, I love the clearance section. You're going to find good stuff at the clearance section. So there I am, and I'm thinking, wow, this is great. And she disappears with the kids. I'm like, okay. <laughs> I knew what was going on. It's okay. I, I understood that. I, I, I was okay with that. But then this young man steps over, and he's there, and he's, uh, I could just feel the spirit move when I was there. <laughs> but I wasn't sure what was going to happen. And he starts to, he start like, he's, he's kind of just rambling a little bit. And as he rambles, he says, um, he's going to ask you a question. I says, yeah, wh wh what's that? He said, what would you do if you had friends who got you in trouble and you were probably going to go to jail for that? And I said, well, and I said, I know God wants us to think really deep before we answer, right? So the first thing is, well, you get rid of those friends and you get new friends. New friends that are not going to get you in trouble. That's what you do. That's, that's the best thing. So in other words, get rid of those Come to church, find some good friends in the church. These are the best friends. These are the good friends. Good friends are not going to let you get in trouble. They're going to get you out of trouble. And so he's telling me that. I'm, I'm a little bit, um, again, I'm a little bit taken back because he's asking me this question. And he says, well, it doesn't matter anyway. I'm going to go to jail. And um, I'm probably going to go to rehab pro, uh, you know, program. And it's too late anyway. And I said, whoa, whoa, whoa. I said, it's not too late. I said, so I share with them a testimony of two individuals that I know, and this is important why to hear the testimony of others, because God will use that to administer to that person. And these individuals dressed up for that purpose, for that occasion, and God did not let them go to jail. He delivered them. They are, are uh, one of them has passed away. He was apostolic, and the other one's apostolic, and he is still with us today, praise the Lord. And in doing so, you could see uh, there, was, there was a little bit of encouragement. So I, I said to him, hey, you know, uh, he, he leaves and I'm thinking, like, wow, something should have happened. So I go over there, and I continue to do what I'm doing. And he comes back, and I hold his hand. I'm sorry, I don't hold his hand. He comes back, and I said to him, hey, do you mind if I pray for you? He said, sure. So I held onto his hand, and I started to pray with him. And I started to say, uh, pour a blessing into him, that God would have his way in him, that God would help him to, to deliver him from this, and that God would give him new friends. And, and every single time I said something that was good, he would squeeze my hand. And I knew he was receiving it. And I know wherever he went, his last name you know, is, is Douglas, but I don't know his first name. It doesn't matter. 
So anyhow, uh, God will put a burden on you, and, and it's up to you how you're going to handle it. I, walked through the, I was telling Brother Richard, I was walking through that Walmart, and I was weeping after that. I didn't know what was going on, but God did. And so we get into my car, and I tell my family, hey, do you mind if we pray for this man? She said, let's do it. And we were there for about 15 minutes in the Holy Ghost, praying for this individual. Tears coming down, and this is what needs to happen. We don't know these people, but God does, and God can reach them. Amen? If we respond according to the gospel or according to the, the apostles' doctrine, we're, there's gonna, there has to be change because God is involved. It's not, it, we're just vessels, but when he's involved, when you say in Jesus' name, it is Jesus who can do it. It is God who can do it. The mind starts to change in them. He's like, he's not even talking about himself. It's not because I laid hand, he laid hands on me. He's telling me that Jesus can do it, and he'll embrace that. Praise the Lord. Amen. James chapter 2, verse 2. I didn't give you this one, sis, so don't worry. It says, uh, it, it makes mention about treating the man with gold, uh, the gold ring, and and that has gay apparel, in other words, really dry, uh, nicely dressed, differently than the poor man that has vile raiment. And he says not to, re- not to be this kind of person, not to, be, not to respect the rich and put down the poor, because it becomes, is, and it says here, you do this, this is, this is um, uh, excuse me, this is, uh, I'm calling Brother James, preaching here, and he's saying they, they blaspheme about, against the name that you, actu- that you were redeemed from. So wh- why would you do this? He's, is what he's saying. So he re- uh, the rejects all, all belong to the kingdom of God. How about that? The rejects, all the, what the world doesn't want, God wants. What the world doesn't want, God wants. But God already has what he wants. It's his world and it's his kingdom. Praise God. So in the life of a man uh, who was rejected, n- not by knowledge, but by his father's, uh, there's, there's a story here that uh, I conversed with my wife the other day, and as she's talking to me about this, it really clinged together because here I'm talking about those who belong. There's there, a lot of time we discredit ourselves. We discredit ourselves. Uh, but God says no. He wants us to understand that we have done something wrong to, to, to correct it, to correct it. And it will, and it will give us that, that credit back with him. And not that we can do anything to gain um, salvation or anything, like, but, but he does want our hearts to be right. Our heart needs to be right. He's, the Bible says he's coming back for a church that is uh, without spot and blemish. But as I'm talking to my wife, and, I, and I'm, I'm going to have, I'm gonna, I'm, I thank her for this. I'm, I'm blessed. We're all blessed when we have somebody in our house that will share the word with you, that will discuss the things of God. And she began to share with me something that was, uh, it was phenomenal. It was David. If we remember the scriptures where Samuel is, um, Samuel is sent because Saul has transgressed against the Lord. He's done, he's not obeyed uh, that what God had told. And in other words, in this case, he did the sacrifice. He said, I can do the sacrifice. It wasn't for him to do it. It was for Samuel. So God departed from him, and he sent Samuel to anoint David. Now, given this fact, we know that David uh, is a, uh, he's a shepherd, right? And uh, if you read the scripture, you're going to find that here we have Samuel who is going uh, to the place where everyone, where these, these men are, the, the sons of Jesse and Jesse. Of course, David's in the field. And people, even the elders are at the door or at the entrance, and, and, they're, it, and they're curious, they're, they're nervous, and they're wondering, this cannot be good. The prophet of the Lord is at our doorstep. What is going on? And they asked him, do you bring good tidings? He goes, yep. 
I got some good news. Don't you worry. Nothing's going to happen to you. So he says, all right. So, and he calls them, we're going to call on Jesse, get his sons. We're going to sanctify them. And so he brings, so Jesse, the dad brings, he sanctifies, uh, he do, I'm sorry, Samuel goes with the ceremony. And then you have uh, all the, the sons. I'm going to say the sons just like that. And as that's happening, um, the Lord is talking to Samuel. And, and Samuel's thinking, yeah, this one here, this one's definitely it. He's big, he's strong, he's handsome. I think, I think yep, it's got to be him. And so the Lord says, no, it's not him. It's not him. He goes through all seven. He says, do you have any more? Given they have been sanctified, David is out in the field. He didn't attend the ceremony because he was discredited. God said, bring him. We're going to stand here until he gets here. He calls him in, yep, that's him. God said, that's the one. Anoint him. God anointed the one that was out in the field that everyone, I say his, even his dad, discredited. And God saw, he, God saw something about David. God saw a man that was after his own heart. We are a people who say, God, when I feel discredited, I'm going to remember that I am somebody after your heart. When I'm in the midst of the darkness and, and the enemy is speaking to me, I'm not going to let him win. I know what your word says. I know what your word says, that you will, you're my savior, you're my redeemer. You will keep me. You will take me into that hiding place. That's who you are, Lord. I worship you, Lord Jesus. If you would stand to your feet today, if you believe that God is doing these things, that he continues to do these things, he continues to bless, he continues to, to listen, correction seems to be something that a lot of us don't like. But I tell you what, if I didn't listen to this, I wouldn't be here. I might be in a grave. I don't know. But I'm glad, I'm happy to be in, a, in the midst of people who say, I also worship God. I also praise God. He is my Savior. He is my Redeemer. And His name is Jesus Christ. Would you lift your hands unto the Lord and sing with us? Worthy You're worthy, Lord Jesus. Of all praise and glory. Hallelujah. You are holy. You are holy, Lord. You are holy, Lord. Worthy of honor and praise. You are holy, Lord. You are holy.
you're worthy, Jesus. You're full of glory, Lord Jesus. Lord, you're full of power. Praise the Lord. Lift your hands up unto God. Oh, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. He is worthy of all glory and he's worthy of all power. Amen. Clap your hands unto the Lord, church. He is here today. He has manifested his power. He has manifested himself. God is not going to deny himself to those that come seeking. Those that say, Lord, I need a touch. 